the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to the first show of 2023 on this beautiful January 7th, my friends. Uh, We've got a packed show as usual. We've got lots of things happening at the border as well as in our communities. Again, let me remind everyone that our show is about three main things. First of all, the border crisis and illegal immigration. That's our mainstay. Our secondary secondary subject that we cover is police-community relations, my friends, the war on police. And then thirdly, is the overarching battle that we've got with truth and justice. And uh, that has to do with the uh, fake news. The fake news is our third uh, subject that we cover. The fake news, my friends, is is something... It, it's brainwashing America. It's brainwashing uh, the voters, the citizens. It's making us stupid. That's what it's doing. And uh, we call it out. We... Focus on it, especially local fake news uh, in, in your community. We really focus on that. We do have a lot of um, good news media reporters, a lot of good news media uh, sources. Uh, my good friends down in beautiful little Floresville, Texas, Wilson County, the Wilson County uh, Journal. Excellent, excellent, honest news media. However, we also have... Of course, the San Antonio Express, we've got the Houston Chronicle, we've got the Dallas Morning News, and of course, we've got the the Texas Tribune and others. So, uh, you know. All right, so let me tell you, my friends, who our guests are today real quick. First of all, Ron Kovach, or Kovach, excuse me, Ron Kovach from uh, FAIR is uh, our first guest. He's going to be chatting with us about what's happening in D.C. with regards to... uh, Uh, immigration legislation in this coming uh, uh, legislative session. We've got Jason Jones, who is the Newsmax uh, reporter for the border. Uh, He is uh, going to chat with us a little bit about what's happening lately. Uh, Jay Wiley, who is a host of Law Enforcement Today, a a uh, newscast, a a radio show uh, uh, out of Miami. He's going to be our guest He's going to be chatting about the la- the last year's war on the police, uh, the number of fatalities, the deaths uh, of police officers, and uh, the continuing efforts by- to defund the police. He's going to be chatting about that. Uh, our final guest, of course, is uh, Mr. Todd Benzman, good friend uh, with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd will be talking to us about what is happening uh, in- deep inside the border on the other side. So, my friends, without further ado, let's go to Mr. Ron Kovach from uh, FAIR. Welcome to the show. Call your friends and tell them we're on. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Ron Kovach, who is with uh, FAIR in in Washington, D.C. And uh, I had to reach out to him because uh, here at the start of the year, we are looking desperately, Ron, for a silver lining and we've got the new congress coming in uh hopefully they'll be able to do some uh some action uh that might bring us some relief at the same time uh we understand that uh, you know the congress is just uh, the the conservatives just control the the uh the house still not the white house or the senate but 
something is better than nothing. So uh, welcome to the show, Ron. Uh, is there a silver lining? <laughs> hey, howdy, George. Great to be back on the show. Uh, there is there is a slight, slight silver lining that we could look at. You know, as you talked about conservative control of the House, that's going to be something that's big going into the next couple of years here, going into the 118th Congress. So a couple of pieces I wanted to talk about. First is uh, Congressman Chip Roy just uh, unveiled a new piece of legislation called the Border Safety and Security Act. Now, this is going to be considered over the next couple of weeks here, and ultimately what it would do would provide DHS with the authority to turn away illegal aliens without admissible documentation at the border. So, you know, no forms of proper ID, things like that. We're not just going to let people walk across anymore. And what it's also going to do is require DHS to use their authority to essentially make it where we're going to be able to deport illegal or just turn away illegal aliens at the border again. So ultimately what it will do, if they are not able to be detained inside of our country, it's going to turn them away. And also if we're not able to place them in a program, which is similar to the migrant protection protocols or the remaining Mexico policy, we're also going to have the ability to turn them away at the border. A lot of this, it's sort of targeted around the angle where, uh, you know, Title 42, we don't necessarily know where that's going to go, kind of its status is up in the air with the Supreme Court, Biden administration, everything like that. This bill will give DHS the ability to have a similar sort of power when it comes to turning away people at the border. Gotcha. Well, you know, and, and, and we really, really, I mean, one of the things that we're seeing uh, is what I call the second phase of this uh, border crisis is the impact it's having on communities. I mean, we are seeing what, uh, well, Eagle Pass and Del Rio have been suffering uh, for the fa- past year, people loitering in the community, uh, uh, creating uh, problems with law enforcement. Uh, El Paso has really been hit hard lately. Mm-hmm. And uh, here in San Antonio, around the migrant center, we are seeing the same thing. Uh, are, are you know the, the, the is there any other uh, are are there any elected officials out there that uh, are are crying for anything other than just uh, asking for more money from the from the federal government? Yeah, you know, we, we have this bill by Chaproy, which helps, you know, ultimately it, it will take some funds to sort of implement everything exactly. But what we're really looking at here is hopefully it won't have too big of a price tag when it comes to people coming to the border and being able to turn them away. Another way which we're going to be able to do this is, you know, currently we already have something called the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. What this is, is, you know, you plug someone into the system and they're going to tell you whether or not they have any kind of background, uh, criminal history, things along those lines. We have a new bill going through Congress right now. This is by uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe from Florida. Uh, it's called the Illegal Alien NICS National Institute Criminal Background Check System Alert Act. And what this will do, will it will notify ICE and relevant state and local law enforcement agencies when people illegally or unlawfully in the United States attempt to receive a firearm. So basically, you know, we look, we have a criminal illegal alien who is inside of the country trying to apply for a firearm. Local authorities are instant going, instantly going to be able to know what's going on there. Now, of course, you know, cost-wise, some of this stuff is going to cost some money, but at the end of the day, these are going to be safety safety protocols which are going to help us. A term that has really been thrown around recently, uh, just sort of in conversations relating to immigration, has been operational control. We need operational control of the border. We need operational control of what's going on in our country as far as illegal aliens being inside of it, and both of these bills are going to be able to help that out a lot. Boy, I mean, I like that word, control, because we there is none at this point. Well, there is some, but it happens to be by the cartels as opposed to the people uh, that we're yes, in charge. True, that's true. The uh, right across the border here in Laredo uh, was a, there was a uh, uh, a big shoot. Oh no, excuse me. In in, El pa- in Juarez, across from El Paso, there was a uh, major um, up uh, uprising in a prison, and no less than twenty six um, uh, hardened criminals escaped. Uh, I mean, we we really desperately need some some kind of uh, not only the border security is, issue, but the criminal background check on these folks. Yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, if, if we already had them, have them in custody, that means there's hopefully at least some sort of semblance of having a background on these people. But what these bills we're talking about here is is that they're going to be helping us with people who we may not even not know who they are. They don't have a form of ID. They don't have any way of coming in. You know, of course, there's going to be some gotaways, but we're going to have a lot more operational control of the border, which is what we're all really fighting for here. Do you have any any uh, any, any figures for uh, December yet as far as? Uh... Yes. 
Yes, we actually got those numbers in this week. So what we're looking at here is Border Patrol. They reported in December that they actually uh, were met at the border over 220,000 illegal aliens who are trying to cross here. That's just for the month of December alone. If we take a 30,000 foot perspective here, going back to fiscal to the entire fiscal year here, uh, starting in September, we have had over 200,000 pe- people apprehended by CBP at our border in the past three months alone. Uh, to, to kind of put that in perspective here, you know, that's around 600,000. That's more than the last year of Trump alone already in these first three months. That's incredible. I mean, 600,000, that's, that's, a, that's a city. That's the size yeah. of a city. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I mean, these numbers keep going the way we are. We're going to be well over 2.5 million coming in. And don't even get me started on how many gotaways that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, uh, the other issue is the fentanyl. Uh, the fentanyl in, uh, crossing, the, the smuggling that's going on. I mean, uh, uh, how many deaths have been caused by that? And again, the media just doesn't seem to focus on either one. Yeah, yeah, it, it seemingly is more and more convenient for the media to just completely avoid this issue. Uh, of course, you know, as we talked about at the top of the program here is that, you know, once we have the the conservatives in control of the House of Representatives, we might be able to have a lot more of a semblance of, you know, at least being able to bring things to the floor, which they'll have to report on. Uh, because, you know, right now it seems pretty easy for them to just sweep these kind of figures under the rug because a lot of people aren't talking about it. And these are some pretty alarming statistics. They really are. They really are. I mean, the uh, the, the number of... of uh... Uh, people that, uh, you know, are runners versus the number of people that are introducing themselves, as I put it, to the Border Patrol, like uh, the Border Patrol is uh, Walmart greeters now. Uh, It's it's amazing. And, um, you know, can you... Going from Border Patrol to Border Processing real quick. Yeah. Can you explain to the folks how we went to this? Yeah, I mean, really what it is is when Biden came into office, he did a lot of different uh, – he did, made a lot of different policies, a lot of different signs of the pen, which really, you know, whether it's stopping the border wall, whether it's changing over what protocols the Custom and Border Patrol are, you know, actually looking at. And something I think is also what he's done is he's tried to, you know, implement certain policies like, well, you can't can't let someone in if they have X, but you, if they have Y, you can't let them in. And X, Y, Z, different rules. So many rules are coming in. It's actually confusing Border Patrol at this point, what they can and what they can't do. So it's just easier to let people cross. And I mean, once they come in, we have a backup of over, uh, I think it was at least over a million backup of asylum cases right now that are building up. So these people are letting the country and without having any sort of semblance of what DHS can do to turn people away, they're letting to the country, waiting for an asylum case. Some cases over a year. I mean, we don't know when these people are going to show up. And if they don't show up to the case, what happens then? Yeah. Uh, Very interesting fact. Let, Let me get your opinion on it. Uh, uh, or, or a news item that was that was uh, uh, released earlier this week or last week rather was that um, ABC reported that seventy seven thousand they estimated seventy seven thousand people had been deported uh, in the past f- fiscal year. How many were not deported though? <laughs> I wish we had numbers on how many were not deported. If we uh, had a number on how many weren't deported, we'd also need a number on how many people actually entered our country, <laughs> neither of which we're going to be getting anytime soon. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, when we're talking 20, uh, 220,000 uh, in, uh, in, in, a, in a short period versus 77,000 being deported uh, over a year, I, I'm not sure that, you know, that's satisfactory. Yeah, I mean, estimates right now is that we had almost almost 80,000 gotaways in the month of December alone. And you're talking about deporting 70,000 people. The numbers just aren't adding up. They're, they're just, they're not, they're not. I mean, it's it's very sad that, uh, you know, the media plays along with this, this narrative. Um, tell the folks uh, about FAIR and where they can uh, support it. Of course, of course. Uh, best place to support support FAIR and find out more about our organization is to go to our website, fairus.org. Of course, at the top, as we talked about, is we have that red donate button. Of course, any donation helps, $5, $10, whatever you can. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, we are FAIR on Facebook. We're at FAIR Immigration on Twitter, at FAIR Immigration on Instagram. And uh, we appreciate everyone's support. Once again, my friends, we do. We really, really want – FAIR is the uh, premier organization that is speaking up for border security and border control. True? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) So, my friends, once again, uh, we want to thank uh, Ron Kobach from uh, FAIR to to take time to speak to us today. Uh, 
Thank you very, very much, uh, Ron. Keep up the hard work, and we will be back uh, talking to you real soon. Hey, definitely appreciate having appreciate you having me on the show, and make sure we're keeping this issue in the light because there's a lot that's going to be going on uh, coming up here. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, uh, Mr. Jason Jones, with the Newsmax News Service. And uh, Jason is in Phoenix, uh, actually in Arizona. I'm not sure where in, in, in Arizona. But he is in Arizona giving reports of what is going on. And uh, folks, you're going to want to hear this. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. What is going on in Arizona? Tell us about that. George, as always, it's great to be with you, buddy. It really is. Uh, DEA Phoenix has announced their total uh, seizures for fentanyl for 2022. And just the DEA in the Phoenix Field Division have seized 25 million fentanyl pills in 2022. Now, why is that important? Because in 2021, they seized 12 million. And in 2015, just to put it in perspective, they seized zero fentanyl pills in the Phoenix area. So the reason this is an important discussion is because when we're talking about the overdose deaths that have occurred across this country, Phoenix and Arizona are ground zero for Sinaloa cartels fentanyl pouring into the country. And you see it in the seizure data uh, provided by the Drug Enforcement Administration to the men and women of DEA. This is fantastic work. But here's the issue. While they're seizing record amounts, you have to ask yourself, why are they seizing record amounts? And their answer to that is because our border is wide open. The Sinaloa cartel is producing fentanyl on a mass scale like we've never seen. And the validation of the impact to the American people is the overdose death numbers at unprecedented levels. So while we talk about data and we talk about the level of seizures and the great work of the men and women of DEA, we have to understand where the failure is. And the failure is in the open borders policy, which is allowing all of this to be uh, getting into the country around Border Patrol because they're working on processing people. Secondly, the amount of production that these cartels are producing of this deadly poison into this country is a direct result of why we're seeing so many Americans dying. Wow. You know, the uh, again, the fentanyl pills are coming through Mexico, but they're also uh, being produced in China. So, I mean, we've got a double whammy here. Uh, we do, but I will tell you the big change from the last few years is that the Sinaloa cartel and Cartel Jalisco New Generation have massive pill mills. And uh, we have so they're really, producing their we, own now. That's exactly right. The chemical precursors are coming from China, but they're also coming from Malaysia, Pakistan, and India, and Bangladesh. So the cartels have already diversified. And what you will hear from the federal government is that China, China, China is to blame. Here's the problem. The cartels have adjusted to that. And they have weaponized fentanyl. The weaponization of fentanyl came when they started hiring chemists right out of universities in Mexico and then began changing what we call the analogs and how they produce and manufacture it and began producing serafentanyl and uh, uh, fentanyl, which are much more deadly levels of fentanyl. Wow. So the cartels are responsible. And while it's important to blame China, absolutely What's very important is what the U.S. government is only going to tell the American people about China's involvement. They won't talk about how the cartels have the logistics to produce it. They have the logistics to manufacture it and then the logistics to move it into the United States, working with U.S.-based street gangs, the Halcom network at the border, etc. So if there was if there was ever a need to declare the cartels uh, terrorist organizations, it should be now. Absolutely. And this is exactly why I've been trying to get it done since 2017, George. We, the system, our system domestically by design under Fourth Amendment moves very slow. We want it that way so that when the government targets us, we make sure they do things correctly. And the Fourth Amendment, uh, which protects all of us against unreasonable searches and seizures by our government, is a unprecedented amendment that protects all of us and makes sure the government conducts their investigations very thoroughly. Now, there's a flip side to it, though, when you're working transnational crime. And I can tell you this as somebody that has done everything from Title III investigations to building programs to go after these cartels in Mexico. 
transnational crime moves at speeds that most Americans really can't even wrap our minds around. It's nothing like our criminals domestically. So this is why we have to have the terrorism designation because it gives us tools of national power outside the boundaries of our borders so that we can add speed into the system and we can go after their money, their assets, but also limit their mobility globally and remove them from our country much more rapidly. Well, well, and I, you know, somehow I kind of doubt that this Mayorkas administration is ever going to do that. It's never going to happen under this administration yeah, unless that, there's a mass the, casualty event. That that's, is, that's absolutely right. That I is, see no change coming. That is the, the sad year. situation. Now, tell us about the illegal immigration issues. Well, we literally just got the numbers right before you and I got on the phone. And so these numbers um, are from U.S. Border Patrol for the month of December. In just the month of December, between the ports of entry, U.S. Border Patrol at the southwest border apprehended just over 220,000 people. Wow. Now, why is that, why is that number important? One, because it's December, it's the winter months. And historically, immigration is at its lowest in the winter months. Uh-huh. Two, the second part of this is that this is the highest number of apprehensions in the month of December ever since Border Patrol in 1960 has been keeping the data. So when you hear that your border is safe, when you hear that your border is secure from Secretary Mayorkas, I want you to know that we are seeing unprecedented levels of not only deadly fentanyl, but also apprehensions occurring at your southwest border. Now, there's one other thing to this, and that is that the Office of Field Operations, who who are the blue shirts at your ports of entry, those numbers have not yet come in yet, and we're averaging about 70,000 a month. So we're going to be at about 300,000 apprehensions total, just under, just over, I suspect between 280 and 300,000 for the month of December when all the numbers are counted. Now, why is that important? Because in a 90-day period under fiscal year 23, October, November, and December, this is going to put us at over 800,000 apprehensions. I mean, we are truly a nation overrun. Incredible. I mean, the border may as well just be wide open because, I mean, it's like a Walmart greeter uh, standing there saying, come on in, welcome to our country. Incredible. The way you should look at it is that our border is wide open because the way the cartel's tactics work is they push all of the family units who are turning themselves into U.S. Border Patrol into a certain area. They do that by design. They soak up all the resources of local, state, and federal, and then that's when the deadly fentanyl and other methamphetamine and other drugs are moved on the flanks along with those who we consider high values who work directly with uh, terrorist organizations. So this is the problem. So when you think of is our border wide open, I want to be very clear. Your border is wide open right now. Give us us a definition of the runners because quite often people, you know, the only thing that, that... the media, the major media usually focuses on are all these people standing in line, crossing the river, and being processed. What about the no, runners? You're, abso- you're, you're absolutely right. So um, we are averaging between seventy and 90,000 gotaways, also known as runners, every month. And who are these um, people? That, who are these people? Okay, so these are people that under the Department of Homeland Security, it doesn't matter uh, whether you're in South Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, or California, the, the countries of origin are usually the same. DHS has said that there are four countries, and this changes pretty routinely, but right now there are four countries that DHS says are not allowed to be in the United States. I can't give you the why to this, it's because it's a little crazy to me, but that is Mexican citizens. That's Guatemalans, Hondurans, and El Salvadorians. Now, the El Salvadorians, I understand, because that's where MS-13 street gang comes from. So they're really trying to limit that, and I think that's a good thing. The problem, though, George, is that every other nation is allowed to come in. So when you see the family units, that's the rest of the world. Uh When we talk about those that are running from law enforcement, that are those are your Mexican citizens, your Guatemalans, your Hondurans, and your El Salvadorians. Sometimes we get others. Yeah. You know, we do get others who just say, you know, hey, I don't want, I don't want to wait in line. I'm just going to run. And those are the ones who work with the alien smuggling organizations. They pay the extraordinary fees. They go into debt bondage under human trafficking, and then are under the care, custody, and control of these smugglers. And that's where you see local and state law enforcement trying to uh, fill the gaps where Border Patrol is not. Mm-hmm. But these other folks, I mean, the rest of the world is is standing in line and just walking in. 
Oh my and God. That's a, a, and, and George, the important thing here is that is a direct result of the Biden administration's policies. And this is why it's so frustrating to somebody who works the border like I do as long as I have is that they created this when they created the exemptions that said if you're a family unit, you can come. Right. All, all of, if you're an unaccompanied alien child, you can come. And if you come from all of these other countries, you're allowed to stay here. Yep. And that's why they've come. I mean, that's, that's the truth of it. Yeah. And I can't remember a time in my life where we have seen an administration that lies to the American people the way we're seeing it right now, George. Let me, um, we're, we've only got a few seconds more to go. Tell the folks where they can follow you and what, uh, uh, where you know, where they can locate you and, and read more. Absolutely. So you can find us on Newsmax. Uh, we, we are literally live almost every single day trying to, you know, illuminate what's happening at the southwest border. Also, you can find us at jasonjones.com. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram, all the major uh, social media sites as well under Jason Jones. Jason, thank you very, very much. Be safe out there, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend Jason Jones from Newsmax. Uh, well, I wish the news was better. <laughs> But, um, well, we'll hang in there. Thank you very much, Jason, for taking time to be with us. George, thank you for what you're doing. Happy New Year to you, buddy. And uh, as always, be safe. Got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. We've got a new a, uh, a guest with us. He's been uh, on our show before, but I want him to get him on. Uh, Mr. John J. Wiley. We call him J. Wiley. Uh, he is host of a nationally syndicated program called Law Enforcement Today radio show. And uh, he's also a retired police officer from Baltimore. And uh, what I want to talk to him about Jay welcome to the show thank you for taking thank time you. to be with us let me ask you 2022 is uh, about over and um, the number of police officers the war on police it's a real thing uh, do you have the figures on the number of police officers that have been killed in the line of duty uh I do, as a matter of fact. And uh, I went to odmp.org, that's uh, officerdownmemorialpage.org, and they keep up to date. Now, they're behind by a couple. And the total line of duty deaths uh, for 2022 so far is 227. Uh, and as of right now, I believe 61 have been killed by gunfire or by, by shooting attacks. Now, if we compare that 1980, a total of 211 line of duty deaths were shot and killed 103. Uh, so there's more in 1980. And the other place I go to is the National Fraternal Order Police. I've been a member of Fraternal Order Police Lodge Number 3 in Baltimore since 1980. I want to start on the police department, and they're a little bit behind as well. Uh, 323 officers shot this year, 60 officers killed by gunfire. I believe that number is 61 now. If we throw in Canada, the number climbs even more. Wow. So the, the war on police, it, it is a very real thing. Uh, it, yeah. it is a, a, a situation where uh, the uh, the politics of the abolishing of police departments, not to mention the policies of controlling uh, the police in various ways, it's a very real situation. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. First of all, and, and this is my opinion, in, in most cities, counties, states, federal government as well, the police departments are a part of the executive branch of government. So your governors, your mayors, your county commission presidents, all that stuff, the president, that who has ultimate authority of it. So you have the legislative branches of the governments. They quite often, if the executive is the opposite power, they want to use that as a leveraging tool, say police are a problem. Well, the reality is that they don't have solutions to the problems. We can look at the border. We can look at fentanyl deaths. I believe it's 104,000 people died of fentanyl in the United States this past year so far. That number's going to climb. They don't have solutions for that, but they are quick to blame. And by the way, criticizing and blaming is easy to do, but it doesn't create any positive change. Coming up with suggestions and policies that actually work takes thought, intelligence, 
looking at history, all those things, and they don't want to do that, George. I'll be honest. It's easier to say, well, you're the blank. The boogeyman is the police, not criminal gangs, not motorcycle gangs, not uh, the mafia or MS-13 or whatever. It's the police. They're the problem. Uh, You know, that is is really, really uh, incredible how we are seeing uh, the police villainized to this point. I mean, uh, normal circumstances, you hear people say, well, you can't judge that person or, or that group by one person, but that doesn't seem to be the case when it comes to police officers. All police officers are painted with the same, uh, with the same brush if there's one bad apple. Right. And, and, and it's not just by one bad apple's recent actions. It's by actions from the 1960s. Ah, yes. Skeletons of the civil rights movement. All those things were still paying the price. So as a police officer, I got looked at negatively based on what someone in another state did 40 years before or 20 years before. It had nothing to do with me. Wow. And then, and then on top of that, like you were saying, the, the police departments are in executive branch. So in other words... A police department that, or a police, yeah, a police department that that um, uh, is under the guidance, I'll not use that word, uh, under the direction or guidance of a liberal uh, mayor or, or county executive or even a governor, I mean, they're going to, uh, they're going to reap the, uh, the winds of that liberalness, aren't they? Well, in a way, and they're also going to say, "Well, the problem is uh, this individual officer. Uh, they're not going to take. They're not going to take responsibility for their own failings." And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example: Minneapolis with George Floyd. Whether people believe it was training or not is not the issue. It never should have gone as far as it did. However, the mayor of Minneapolis is an extreme liberal. His police chief and and the administration is picked by him. They follow his command. The one person who's not been held accountable has been, it's been the street cops for sure, but the the person who's not been held accountable is the mayor. And he won't take responsibility for what his own department did. Exactly. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the, I mean, since the war on, on police is real and police officers can feel it, let's talk about, uh, I, I've been reading about the um, uh, uh the the staffing problems they have in several police departments like in philadelphia the number of police officers is very very low for the um for the city they're having a hard time recruiting here in san antonio uh having a hard time employing uh police officers recruiting police officers uh is that the case in other in in most communities like well portland and seattle and other other places like this I would say, from what I understand, it's a majority. Uh, the, the few that don't have retention and recruiting problems, they are an exception to the rule. And the number one cause of that, my personal uh, belief and experience, is the news media. They're the tail that wags the dog. So they create these news headlines that we know people don't read the news articles. They just go by the headlines. And a perfect example is, hands up, don't shoot, from Michael Ferguson, uh, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. How, do you remember, George, when members of the, the end, St. Louis Rams went on the field with their hands up, don't shoot? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's proven over and over and over again that, that never happened. It was a lie. That never happened. And yet the news media went with it, ran with it, because it's based on opinion or what someone said, and people believe it. They still believe it. It never happened. So politicians create rules and laws and knee-jerk reactions based off what the news media puts out there because they're so concerned with the optics. Incredible. So yeah. in, in 2023, do you see anything changing? Because, I mean, I'm quite worried. I mean, here in San Antonio uh, and uh, in other parts of Texas uh, or near the border, should I say, uh, we are seeing an influx of people that are not vetted. That's number one. But then on top of that, we've got DAs that don't like that uh, are very liberal uh, and police departments that are being that are hurting for staff and and uh, and and uh, officers. I mean, do we do you see anything changing? I don't see anything changing until two years from now when the next series of elections take place, because I think people get more and more tired of not being safe. One of the basic needs that we all have, regardless of our race, religion, where we come from, politics, is to feel safe 
in our daily travels. We want our kids to be safe. We want them to have a good, safe education. We don't have to worry all the time. Well, that's not happening. And, and there's a lot of decisions being made that, that these politicians are doing because they don't have solutions. Um, and they're afraid to say, you're accountable for the behaviors of your son or your daughter or that, that, that person's a bad guy. It needs to be punished and put in prison. They're afraid of doing that. Amazing, amazing. Uh, well, you know, we, we, we really, really need to. And, you know, the, the, other, the other battle is, is with the media. We've got to hold them, hold them accountable in some form or fashion right? so that they yeah. be more balanced in their reporting. Anything George, I know there's people, there, there's people that you don't watch on television or movies because you got a problem with. That's what we need to start doing. Say, I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to your website because I won't partake and be a paid part of your business model. So we're not doing it. That's what we all need to do. Amen. We really do. We really do. Jay, thank you very much for being with us. Anything else you'd like to add before we let you go, buddy? Man, there's so many things we can talk about. Um, stop and frisk. There's ah. Supreme Court decisions about that. Stopping low-level traffic enforcement. Remember Timothy McVeigh, the, the Oklahoma City bomber? He yes. was pulled over and stopped because of a missing registration plate. That's how he was captured. Eliminating things like nightsticks and large flashlights at nights. They don't look good. They create distance and act as a recognizable deterrent. So people are less reluctant to attack police. Those sorts of things save lives and prevent crime, but that's what we're not doing, and we're, we're holding people accountable for doing their jobs, and that's got to end. You know, the, this situation, this situation with the stop and frisk, because I heard that uh, one community, it was either Philadelphia or, or New York City, I'm not sure where, but that has been instituted where they are not even going to stop, and fr- you can't even, fr- you can't stop and frisk, you can't stop them practically. Uh, tell us about that. I mean, how does that work? Uh, what's the impact on, 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 on the police and our public well, safety? We had a motto when I was on a job is I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6, meaning I'd rather be charged criminally and have a jury trial than have pallbearers carrying my body. Wow. Um, so if you're dealing with someone who knows a criminal and, and you suspect that there's probable cause or reasonable suspicion that they are, might be armed, I was going to check them. But the only solution to that is don't stop them anymore. Because if you're not allowed to do that, you're putting yourself, the community, in jeopardy. If someone's a known criminal, don't stop them. That's amazing. That is incredible. that's the only solution to this. And what's that mean? More crime. More crime. Yeah. I mean, that's like that's like um, in San Francisco where they've raised the threshold for what you can steal. Well, everybody's stealing what they can right. steal. <gasps> incredible. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's got it's got to stop. It's got we got to get some some common sense into our, our politics and our decision makers soon. And it starts with the news media. And, and unfortunately, George, it starts with me, you, and your listeners. You got great listeners uh, making decisions that are balanced, make common sense, and we won't support this kind of nonsense anymore. Yeah, you got it, Jay. Thank you very very much for taking time to be with us once again. We've been speaking with uh, Mr. Jay Wiley. Uh, syndicated uh, radio host for law enforcement today in uh, uh, you're out of Miami or you're you're, you're, you're out West of Florida, Beach, okay? just a little further north yeah yeah so thank you very much for taking time to be with us and uh, take care we'll be we'll be in touch with you more uh, some more as uh, 2023 advances because we certainly want to keep our pulse on law enforcement I mean there's no two ways around George. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. And thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman. The, uh, he is with the Center for Immigration Studies. However, we are talking to him as he is driving back today on Tuesday. Uh, he's driving back from Laredo. He's been to the border. He, in fact, I think he's been across the border. Todd, you're a braver man than I am. I would not do that. Tell us, what uh, what did you find out? What did you see? Well, I went for a couple of reasons. Uh, first was to see what was uh, happening with Title 42 among the migrants and how it was impacting the pattern of migration. And, of course, as we know, the Supreme Court, the courts kept kept uh, Title 42 in place. 
And what I found uh, was that the uh, four, there are probably four nationalities that continue to be targeted by quick expulsions at the border, but everybody else gets in to stay in permanently. Uh, so the the nationalities that are still being pushed back would be Hondurans, Guatemalans, El Salvadorans, and Venezuelans, since they're the most numerous. And those people are continuing to cross illegally anyway in hopes of evading Border Patrol. It doesn't seem like they came all this way uh, thinking that they were going to get in like everybody else and uh, now they weren't going now they're not going to get in so they're just going to get in anyway they're coming in anyway so I saw a lot of um, a lot of people uh, crossing illegally planning to cross illegally in those groups uh, and then everybody else from all the other countries that I met are getting in legally they're being allowed in paroled in in massive numbers so the 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 surge the human wave is still very much coming a wall an onslaught of humanity is still crossing and coming to the border and not just in el paso juarez but everywhere uh they are surging especially over the california border there are anywhere from five to ten thousand immigrants in matamoros down in Brownsville, all the attention's on El Paso Juarez, but that's a misplaced attention because it's happening all over the border. That's amazing. You know, again, educate the folks, educate the audience about the difference between somebody that's a runner and somebody that is just walking across and declaring asylum. It all has to do with Title 42 expulsion. If you are one of the nationalities that will get returned quickly to Mexico, uh, you are going to hire, the chances are greater that you're going to hire a smuggler to cross you over and evade Border Patrol. And so those, the, there's a, a, a still a strong demand for smuggling services to get through. I spent all last night up until four this morning with Texas DPS in Jim Hogg County just chasing runners and alien smugglers that are trying to get them through to the interior uh, so that it's a, it's a very robust market for that the other part of the market are going to be people that even if they if they weren't being targeted by Title 42 are criminals who would be turned back based on their past criminality. So a large percentage of those runners, people that are trying to get away, are criminals with histories uh, that are disqualifying. So there's, in El Paso and in Laredo and, uh, you know, Brownsville and McAllen and everywhere, California, uh, you are seeing a, an outbreak of runners everywhere, and probably we're from 50 to 70,000 every month are getting away into the interior. Last night, we, we searched for all night long for like six immigrants that we knew got through, and we never found them out there in the brush. They'll be counted as gotaways. Now, very interestingly, last week, <coughs> excuse me, last week, ABC reported that 77,000 uh, illegal aliens had been deported in, uh, in 2022. Now, 77,000 compared to how many coming in? I mean, it's a, it, it seems to be a drop in the bucket. The, the figures well, don't, uh, don't... Yeah, I mean, in 2022, there were uh, 2.3 million that crossed or attempted to cross the border that we know of. So, you know, that gives you a sense of, you know, the proportion. Uh, it just is amazing to me. Uh, tell us also about uh, your uh, your recent uh, 
article regarding how the cartels are are, are making money. <laughs> That's right. Well, historically, human smuggling has been kind of a side hustle for most of these cartels. Yes, they make money from it, but it's disaggregated and mostly in the hands of smaller alien smuggling organizations known as ASOs. Yes, they have to pay the taxes to the bigger cartels, but now there are so many people coming for two years straight that the cartels are making as much money, if not more, from human smuggling than they did with from drug trafficking. And so it's very, very big business, industrial-sized revenue coming in, and uh, they have dedicated you know, significant resources to controlling it and maximizing their profits. It's said that they are, I mean, ICE officials have testified before Congress that the cartels might have been making a half a billion a year before Biden entered office and in the first year uh, made as much as $13 billion, $13 billion the problem with this is that they take that money and they buy weapons and increase their power against the Mexican government, a destabilizing power, not just militarily, but they use that money to buy them off. And so large swaths of state government and federal government are compromised, which means that the cartels can more or less have their way with the United States. They can cross red lines that they might never have crossed before. And I write in my most recent piece in the uh, Daily Mail uh, about how all of that works and why this is a national security and a national interest threat to the United States in ways that nobody's ever thought of. These cartels, if they want to, let's say, have a prisoner exchange could if they wanted to shut down the oil exports out of Mexico the bigger they get the more powerful they get the more likely that they can shut down the auto parts exports into the US that our auto industry relies on and lots of other things too there's a million and a half American expats that live in Mexico uh, and there are a lot thousands and thousands of US businesses that do business down there that they could play, uh, you know, they could play around with if they wanted because they're so powerful. So this is a major national security interest threat uh, in ways that the American public probably has not considered. Now, you know, this situation also uh, is uh, fueled by the lack of uh, uh, of or the 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 will that the uh, president, that the current president um, uh, of Mexico just doesn't seem to exhibit. Well, the Mexican president, Obrador, come, comes right out and, se and says it. I mean, I mean he does, he's not joking about it. He says, hugs, not bullets. That's the official policy toward the cartels <laughs> uh, from, from the beginning. So, oh my God. you know, they... Yeah, they are very intimidated by the cartels already. They were already intimidated before Biden started this this incredibly historic mass migration crisis, the biggest in U.S. history. They were already weak, so the administration in Mexico has done nothing at all to reduce their power or limit it or restrict it or control it in any way. That's shocking. That is really, really disgusting and shocking. I mean, people, uh, people need to American. The American public needs to understand that because it is a national security issue. It's a national interest issue. I mean, if you if the the way the United States historically controls the Mexican cartels is by asking the Mexican military to crack down on them and make make their business suffer right yeah so if you can't if the mexican military can't do that uh that's a problem for us 
that changes the entire dynamic forever, permanently. It'll be really hard to claw that back. Yep. Yes, it will. Um, tell the folks here at the end of where they can follow you because you really break news and uh, bring information that obviously we need to know about. Where can they read? Where can they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter, Bensman Todd, B E N S M A N Todd. It's also T Bensman at Getter. And um, you can read my writings at toddbensman.com. I put. I store all of my uh, publications there. Excellent. And uh, you should be able to buy my new book, Overrun, uh, at bookstores everywhere next month. Well titled, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. We've been speaking with our good friend uh, Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, Thank you very much, Todd. Drive safe and and stay well. Thank you, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. Once again, thank you, my friends, for letting us into your homes, into your cars, wherever the heck you are listening to us. Thank you very much for listening to our program. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, please, please, please uh, support us both by telling people about our show as well as a tax-deductible donation would be tremendous. Uh, you can send your tax-deductible donations to He's Alive Ministries at 6430 Green Apple Street here in San Antonio, Texas, 78233. We greatly would appreciate it. Please understand that the voice of freedom is not free. We've got to pay for it, and your donation would so- certainly help us with that, as well as it would help us to do other things like broadcast uh, in Spanish, it would also help us to um, get out and talk to people, to attend rallies, to attend events, um, and uh, do publications. So thank you very, very much for being uh, there to support us, my friends. Join us next week on this very same station, KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, as well as uh, you can find us online uh, at uh, our uh, broadcast uh, that we post at uh, Facebook and uh, if you want to uh, receive it uh, via email. So uh, thank you again, my friends. Till next time, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.